All right, what is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast that houses a safe and open listening platform for casual yet mostly stupid takes on the world of WWE, AEW, the NFL, and the wide world of pro wrestling and sports in general. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 38. And man, is this a big episode because we are going to Sin City. Not really, but that's where WWE is going. And just very shortly, WWE going to Sin City in Las Vegas for SummerSlam. SummerSlam 2021 in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas in that giant Roomba that Mark Davis, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, spent a shit ton of money on. And it's going to be, I don't know. I I honestly don't know how it's going to be. It could be good. It could be disappointing. It could just be like the Las Vegas Raiders, overhyped and overrated. That's how it could possibly be. But anyway, I I don't know. I was so excited um, for this event for the last couple of weeks. And I got to be honest with you. I was honestly planning to go to this event. I bought my tickets to go to SummerSlam like two months ago. But, but sadly, unfortunately, um, life happens. My One of my friends who was supposed to go with me was unable to go. Um due to financial reasons, due to medical reasons, and I was trying to sell this ticket, um, both of my tickets, because I couldn't find anyone to go, and I want I wanted to go solo, but I, I didn't know what to do with the extra ticket, and it, it, it was just worth going anymore. So, it is what it is, um, but still, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of looking forward to SummerSlam still, uh, watching the biggest party of the summer, um, because of, well, one match. And that match is John Cena versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Um, everything else, I don't know, doesn't really matter much here on this show. And, you know, in front of a, a lot of people in a giant Roomba <laughs> known as Allegiant Stadium. But, that, yeah, that's pretty much where we are um, with SummerSlam. Not a lot of hype. Um, pretty much not a lot of excitement. Um, just like the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> just like the Las Vegas Raiders right now, um, going into their 2021 NFL season. <laughs> I'm sorry, Raiders fans, and I, I, I still dislike you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. But anyway, before we talk about SummerSlam, because there are a lot of matches to talk about here in this preview of sorts, we gotta do what we always do here on Very Cold Lasagna. Before we talk about the main topic of the day. And that is, you know, plug. Plug ourselves. So, like I always do here on every show, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Turn on the notification bell so you'll be notified of each and every podcast that goes up on the air when it, when it goes up. And along with those exclusive news videos, rants, thoughts videos, any of that that goes up exclusively on the Very Cold Design YouTube channel. If you want to listen to me on the road with your headphones on or in the car, on the toilet, whatnot, make sure to listen to me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM. I'm thinking of expanding to other podcast platforms soon to, you know, to get the reach of VCL going. And follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. Let's talk about SummerSlam because the biggest party of the summer is in just a few matter of moments, days, hours however you want to like view it depending on when you're listening to this episode or this podcast or whatever SummerSlam is just very soon it is very soon it is coming up fast and like I said at the very top of this show I honestly can't I'm honestly not as excited as I was I previously was like I said before I, I was just dead ass hyped to go to the show um, even though my love for pro wrestling is just like fading, fading, fading each and every day because of all the stupidity that happens. But, you know, I want to, I wanted to, you know, like at least feel something like something major from a big four pay-per-view like SummerSlam. But obviously, <laughs> I guess it's not going to happen. But anyway, let's talk about some, you know, small tidbits, tidbits or factoids about this SummerSlam. It's going to be in the Legion Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
in Sin City, one of the biggest tourist spots in the United States. It's going to be the first SummerSlam to be held in a National Football League stadium. So, unlike before, back in 1992, when it was in Wembley Stadium, in a soccer in a soccer stadium, that was the SummerSlam. In, that was the first SummerSlam in 1992 to be in a in a stadium overall. This is the first SummerSlam to be held in an NFL stadium. I mean, same uh, like kind of the same thing. It's in a stadium, but it's a stadium in the United States, per se. So anyway, this is going to be the first SummerSlam in Las Vegas. Obviously, WWE has had various events in the area. This is going to be the first big four WWE pay-per-view since WrestleMania 37 to be held on a Saturday like, and this is a one-night pay-per-view uh, in the first SummerSlam since 1992 to be held on a Saturday. Because keep in mind, like I said last week in the retro review of SummerSlam 1992, it that pay-per-view in 1992 was on a Saturday because they were in the United Kingdom. And they had to air that pay-per-view in the United States two days later because of the time difference. What, the reason why they're doing it here, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe Mark Davis wanted it, you know, to have it on the same night as a certain event we're going to talk about in just a bit, but I don't know. So, for those of you that are going to this event, unlike my sad self, <laughs> who really wanted to go, uh, but anyway, for those of you that are going, obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic is still abound. Um... The Delta variant, yeah, there are variants to COVID-19 now, um, is suddenly emerging. And Allegiant Stadium and Ticketmaster recently released um, this past week, actually two weeks ago, um, a, a statement that it, whether or not you're vaccinated, all the attendees, all the fans that are going to this event are required to wear masks during this event. So when you're watching at home, you're going to see a lot of people in the crowd wearing masks. Now, how they enforce that is going to uh, be determined. It's going to be like, I don't know. I, I'd say it's going to be really tough to really enforce that um, that rule. Um, now, clearly, it's so close to the event, but it's, and it's also kind of unrelated. But the Raiders in Allegiant Stadium um, also recently announced this past week that it's going to require proof of vaccination to attend Raider games. Um, starting next month, but I don't think this is going to affect SummerSlam in just a short amount of time. Um, so that's a little side note, I guess. But anyway, there's another event that's happening. There's another event that's happening on Saturday, the same night as SummerSlam, and that is the Manny Pacquiao fight. You know, Manny Pacquiao, well-known boxer, um, even I don't know if you even watch another sport or any sports at all, but well-known boxer, multi-time uh, world champion, he's going to be fighting against uh, some guy named Jordanis Ugas. Um, he's going to be fighting for the welterweight uh, weight title for the World Boxing Association. Um, so for those people um, that are be attending some percent live or watching it at home, WWE plans to at least end the show at least because well. Looking at the card now, um, I don't know how they're going to do it. So anyway, their plan is to end the pay-per-view before Pacquiao faces Jordanis Ugas for this title. So fans could make their way over to T-Mobile Arena, you know, the one on the strip, or they can watch it at a local bar. Or for those at home, switch pay-per-view channels. Now, with the card we're about to get into, I don't know how the hell WB is going to end this show um in time for that fight because they're starting at five o'clock my time and in vegas time so how are you going to get through 10 matches in three hours i presume manny pacquiao is going to be fighting at around eight o'clock or 9 30 uh, not 9 30 8 30 california time so i don't know how that's going to work i really don't but they should have had, they should have, like, if they were going to plan this many matches, they should have had this event start at 4 o'clock. They should have started at 4 o'clock. Why didn't they not uh, think about that? Were, 
we're afraid of the East Coast people complaining about, oh, there's too much sunlight. There's too much daylight still uh, outside. <laughs> like, motherfucker. It's like, you. there's always something to complain about. There's always something to complain about. And the little thing you complain about is that there's still too much sunlight shining on 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 the on the stadium really <laughs> really but anyway so those are your little tidbits about um SummerSlam this year again there are 10 matches on this card obviously the one at the end the the mere key match that we're going to be talking about is well that's the one we're going to save towards the end but the ones that we are going to talk about there's obviously we we got to get through them all we got to get through them all because, well, this SummerSlam kind of feels like filler. It, it's it, this, on, this honestly feels like, you know, an Extreme Rules, uh, I don't know, what else? Uh, TLC, Night of Champions, pretty much any of the B-level pay-per-views or C-level pay-per-views. Because in all honesty, they haven't really done a, a good job with... Making this like a second WrestleMania, or for people, um, for some people, the WrestleMania, like the WrestleMania, that's clearly other people's WrestleMania. But anyway, so we like there's the first match we're gonna talk about is Eva Marie going up against Alexa Bliss. Eva Marie, she calls herself um, all. All pink everything. Now, previously she called herself all red everything when she had red hair. But she's known for, you know, being everyone's favorite uh, pro wrestler, uh, pro wrestling, women's wrestler to hate. Especially in the hardcore wrestling community. So, Eva Marie made her return to WWE back in June after, I think it was six, six years? No, no, four years. I don't know how many years, but regardless... She made her return back in June, and along came with her was this this woman from NXT UK, you know, NXT's, you know, subdivision in the United Kingdom. This woman named Piper Nibbin, who is now going by the name Dowdrop as her tag team partner. So the 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 duo appeared on Alexa Bliss's playground several weeks ago. Um several times and Alexa Bliss still in this Bray Wyatt um fiend fiendess gimmick except it's pretty like you know creepy pretty kitty too she, she creeps them out with her supernatural powers and her doll Lily and that starts the feud between the three so Eva Marie Piper Piper Niven attack Alexa Bliss and her possessed doll on one occasion on Raw. And Lily, being the possessed dolls that she is, she sits up. And then, as revenge, Alexa Bliss costs Eva Marie and Piper Niven matches. And we have this match at SummerSlam. Now, if you want my prediction, I don't have one. Because I don't care. And I highly doubt anyone else does. Um, I will guarantee you though, that this will be one of the, the piss breaks of the night. You know, people will, you know, get out of their seat. This will probably be one of the matches in the middle of the, the show where, you know, you can go, you can get up, check out all the, uh, Raiders, uh, you know, the Raiders memorabilia around the stadium. You know, you could check out, take a selfie with the, the, the Al Davis Memorial torch uh, or something. <laughs> And or take a piss in one of the the Raiders locker rooms, <laughs> or I don't know, but this will be one of the piss breaks of the night, and yeah, it's just a testament of what WWE is crapping on with Alexa Bliss because I don't know why they they're continually having Alexa could stick with this uh, Bray Wyatt role, you know. Except it's the female version. Because it's not working. Like, I thought there was going to be a plan. You know, like, Alexa Bliss, you know, gets the power of... She's the higher power now over The Fiend. And then, had Bray Wyatt not gotten released, well, Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, comes back, takes the powers back, and Alexa Bliss goes back to being the goddess. 
But no, she's she's still the fiendess. She's still this creepy, uh, you know, kind of like a kindergartner um, of sorts. It's really weird. Then you got Eva Marie. Um, now, sure, she's been training and whatnot. Um, but we haven't seen her wrestle a lot. Um, now, I'm not an in-ring match mark or anything, but... <sighs> Like, what exactly are we going to see? What kind of match are we going to see? Like, are we going to see a match? Are we going to see a segment? Are we going to see, like, anything in this, like, however long this is going to be? But anyway, I honestly don't care who wins or what happens because there's nothing remotely interesting um, for me or for you between Alexa Bliss and Eva Marie. So we move on to the next match. The United States Championship match between Sheamus versus Damian Priest. The United States Champion, Sheamus, he's been called out by Damian Priest for cheating and bullying in his title matches against jobbers like Humberto Carrillo and Ricochet. Ricochet, whatever. And Damian Priest challenged him to a title match on Raw two weeks ago and Sheamus accepted and we have this match. Now, I don't know what the heck they're doing with Damian Priest. I think the dude has the look. He has, you know, has the appeal. Um, he's fine. He's okay on the mic. He can use some work. But I think WWE is doing a disservice with him by having him endlessly feud with the Jizz, the Miz, and John Morrison, you know, and getting all moist with them. No, seriously. The dude got moist with Miz and Morrison this past Monday on Raw. I, I, I kid you not. There was moist TV on on Raw. This, yeah, that's how bad uh, WWE has gotten. But anyway, so I mean, just like with the uh, Damian Priest, Sheamus is not bad either. Um, it's just that, just like with uh, other U.S. champions besides Bobby Lashley, then, then he's not doing anything with it. Um, I I just can't care enough to know who wins and why. But, I mean, I guess if Damian Priest wins, cool. But if Sheamus wins, then okay. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I can say about that match. So we move on to the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match between the Usos going up against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. This is a rematch from Money in the Bank. And, obviously, like I said before, rematch from Money in the Bank, the Mysterios, um... We're feuding with Universal Champion Roman Reigns way back in June. Um, we're severely beaten by the Tribal Chief every time they got um, in encounters with him. And when they exacted their revenge on Roman Reigns with the help of Edge, they also went after a reunited Jimmy and Jay Uso. Obviously, like I just mentioned, like two times now, they had a match at Money in the Bank. Uh, Jimmy and Jay won the tag team titles from the Mysterios. And then we had a bunch of singles matches between the four teams, like on every SmackDown leading up to this, uh, to this pay-per-view. And I'm just like, why, (laughs) why do we need to do this? Like, I understand the tag team division sucks right now on both raw and SmackDown, but goddamn, you, you did so much to devalue this matchup in a hurry. Like, and there's no story involved. Like, not not one bit of story. Like, what you could have done was, you know, the Usos, they they convinced Jimmy to, you know, be on the bloodline. Now, Jimmy is causing trouble for the Mysterios. He's causing some doubt on on Dominic or race, causing dissension between the two. But nothing. There's nothing. Uh, happening they're just you know having matches with each other for the sake of having a match so i'm i'm just wondering why didn't we hold off this match until here why why didn't we hold off this match and not only that they wwe should have done what they you know didn't didn't need to do or you know weren't shouldn't have supposed to do uh whatever what they weren't supposed to do 
at Money in the Bank, and that was to have the Usos win it. They were they should have had the Usos win at SummerSlam in Vegas in front of a much bigger crowd. So if and when Roman wins at SummerSlam in a, in just a bit, they can join him and have an ending shot of the bloodline standing tall, dominating the WWE. That would be a visual, emphatic, symbolic ending to the pay-per-view. It'd be asking, damn, they got all the gold. What is next? Who can step up to the plate? Nobody. So, I don't know. Whoever the champions are going to be, whether it's the Mysterios or the Usos, there's no competition after this pay-per-view. The street jobbers are tryhards. I don't care so much about Otis and Chad Gable. Like, I just have very little reason to care. Um, I don't know. Maybe the maybe Mysterio and his son, because um, because I like Rey Mysterio, the the wrestler I grew up with. But damn, they have done so much to like make me care so little about this match in a big hurry. But anyway, moving on to the next tag team title match, and that involves the Raw side. The Raw tag team champions AJ Styles and Omos going up against Randy Orton and Matt Riddle. RK bro. So pretty much what is going on here is that AJ Styles and his bodyguard almost they won the Raw Tag Team titles from the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods back at WrestleMania 37 in April. And since then, they have successfully defended the titles against the New Day, Elias and Jackson Riker and the Viking Raiders. Meanwhile, Matt Riddle, uh he's a former MMA fighter and you know, you know, the dude that I've been like ranting about, you know, being like a a kid in kindergarten riding around in his scooter and playing with jizz sticks with the Miz and John Morrison. And he formed a tag team with Randy Orton called RK Bro. And they they've honestly I guess even though I don't like the pairing, they've made the odd couple. They made for the odd couple. Um Riddle is like the kindergartner, and Randy is like, you know, he has the also conflicting uh, apex nature in him. So, Randy Orton took some time off uh, after Hell in a Cell, but Riddle kept the team going. Um, he even adapted Randy Orton's RKO, um, calling it obviously the RK Bro. Uh, he feuded with AJ Styles and almost after winning the bank, he started the feud while Randy Orton was away, and he teased uh, Orton coming back. And Orn returned eventually uh, two weeks after Money in the Bank. Uh, and when Orn returned, um, Orn beat AJ Styles in a match in the main event of Raw. Randy Orn RKO'd Matt Riddle, but it was just like a sign of gratitude or something. So it wasn't like uh, the team's breaking up. And this this was the case this past Monday on Raw when Matt Riddle came to the ring, proving his undying love for Randy Orn. Um, and saved him from an attack by Styles and Omos. And that set up uh, the match for this Saturday for the Raw Tag Team titles. Now, honestly, Randy Orton and AJ Styles can be doing something so much better than this, but it is what it is. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Omos is just still trying to find himself as a big man, and Matt Riddle is just pure cringe. It, he is really, really cringe. If you if you ever uh, watch him, like look up on YouTube, like Matt Riddle and what he does on Monday Night Raw every week. It is pretty cringe. It is not funny. It you don't like you you watch it and you can't get past five seconds. You can't even watch it at normal speed, or you can't even watch it at any speed. It is pure cringe. Tim acting like he's in preschool. Now, sure, like we're we're all the kid in ourselves, but this is national television, my man. <laughs> like my God. So I honestly don't know what's going to happen in this match, and even though I can care less about it, I still have some ideal scenarios of what can happen because I mean, let's face it. 
Randy Orton is, uh, you know, he's cold as fuck. So, it's going to get to happen. Uh, Randy Orton could cost RK-Bro the match. He can turn on Matt Riddle mid-match. Or he can turn on Matt Riddle after the match. Or nothing happens. AJ Styles and almost retain the title. but Or Randy Orton and Matt Riddle actually win the damn titles. So, I don't know. I honestly don't know what will happen. But, yeah. That is your Raw Tag Team title match. So, continuing on the Raw side of things. We next get up the almost a superhero going up against two Russell Wilson Pete Carroll-esque Seattle She-Hawks. Nikki A.S.H., almost a superhero cross, going up against Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Nikki Cross interjected herself into the Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair feud. Um, honestly, I'd say back in June, when she wasn't almost a superhero, when she beat both of them in Beat the Clock Challenges. And obviously... Uh, after that, she became almost a superhero. You know, a gimmick that she came up with her with herself. Now, obviously, I've talked about why I dislike this gimmick because, well, for reasons. Go check it out. Go check out that clip. But anyway, meanwhile, Charlotte and Rhea have been feuding for the Raw Women's title since Backlash back in May. And those matches... Um, that at Hell in a Cell and Money in the Bank involved Rhea getting a disqualification victory over Charlotte and Charlotte winning the the Raw Women's title from Rhea Ripley at Money in the Bank. So the following night uh, after Money in the Bank, all three crossed paths when after Charlotte Flair got herself disqualified in the title rematch, Rhea Ripley attacked her and hit her with the riptide on, on the ground. Uh, she... Threw her back in the ring. Uh, Nikki Nikki Cross came out with the Money in the Bank contract she just won uh, the previous night in the most one of the most stupidest ways possible. Um, but anyway, she won the title from uh, Charlotte Flair, and that's pretty much how it was. So the next week, uh, both Char- Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair wanted to challenge uh, Nikki for the title and. Adam Pierce, and Sonya Deville, you know, the WWE officials, uh, made a triple threat match for the title. And yeah, this is your Raw Women's title match. You know, a match where you can literally gamble that this won't pay off. Yeah, you're gambling on two Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, Seattle, finish the statement, and uh, a wrestler that is not almost a superhero when she is a fucking champion already. But anyway, I, I don't need to repeat myself with this. How can you almost be a superhero when you've already <laughs> won the title a month into your into this new gimmick and you've beaten Charlotte twice? Like, Charlotte is like, I don't know, the the babyface Roman Reigns before he turned heel uh, of the WWE. What more does Nikki A.S.H. have to do in order for the almost to be gone from her superhero gimmick. Does she have to beat these two? Does Becky Lynch have to return from her stale and repetitiveness so Nikki A.S.H. can beat her? This gimmick is not working. This gimmick is making people turn their heads. This gimmick this gimmick sucks. And this this gimmick is not helping anyone, but I guess Nikki Cross. I don't know. It's just that it makes no sense, and people are turning on on the gimmick. I, I'm going to say Nikki Cross herself, but people are turning on her because it makes no sense. People are booing her because it just feels out of place. Now, as for Rhea Ripley, I mean, there's not much to like about her now. Uh, she's actually, honestly, um, channel-changing material. Um, what, that's both in the ring, promo-wise, and appearance. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. Now, as for Charlotte, 
yeah, she's probably going to win. <laughs> There's my first predict actual prediction of this uh, episode. Charlotte's act uh, probably going to win this match. Uh, yeah, WWE um, is stuck in a corner here, but they ha they have, uh, in case of emergency, break Charlotte Glass. Yeah, WWE is going to the Pat Stafford, the Matthew Stafford of the WWE, and you know, giving Charlotte Flair another title to her uh, androidic robotic resume. So, there's my first prediction of this episode. Charlotte is going to win back the Raw Women's Championship. So now we move on to the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Great. Another title match that I give no shits about. So Bianca Belair beat Sasha Banks to win the SmackDown Women's title back at WrestleMania 37. Keep in mind, this was Belair's um, guaranteed title match um, back when she won the Women's Royal Rumble back in January. Um, so Sasha took three months off after after this because she was a big baby loser, unwilling to accept the fact that she lost fair and square to Bianca Belair, like Sasha always is. So anyway, Bianca, on the other hand, actually tried to prove her worth um, as the champion by engaging with feuds with Bailey and Carmella on route to winning the bank. Um, now, how how that worked out is honestly a mixed bag. But anyway, Sasha would return three weeks ago. Uh, she initially saved uh, Bianca from a beatdown by Zelina Vega and Carmella, and then she, she later teamed up with her in the main event against Vega and Carmella. And then afterwards... Sasha Banks turned on Bel Air and she became a heel, a villain again. So the following week, Sasha challenged Bianca to a title rematch at SummerSlam. She stated the reason why she, you know, turned on her supposed friend, uh, supposed ally, Bianca Belair, because she wanted the title that, that was graciously hers. She wanted the spotlight because I'm the boss. Oh, yes, I'm the fabulous boss, Sasha Banks. So, yeah, Bianca accepts the challenge, and we have the WrestleMania rematch at SummerSlam. So, I honestly wonder, how many people are going to leave to the bathroom, or go to get merchandise, or maybe leave, uh, if the Pacquiao fight is about to start at this point in the show, <laughs> during this match, how many people are going to leave? Because if that happened... At WrestleMania 37, because at night one, people left during that show, during that match. I wonder how many people are gonna do it again. Now, I'm not trying to say I <laughs> I support that. Maybe I do. I don't know. But it'll it'll be interesting if they do. But I gotta be honest with you. Sasha versus Bianca does not ex ooze excitement at all. Now, for some people, it does. And you're entitled to your opinion. But I'm also entitled to mine. And I still say that Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair was boring the first time. And it'll likely be boring the second time. Especially if you've seen Sasha Banks' return promo. Where she explained why she turned on Bianca Belair. It was the typical one-dimensional Sasha Banks promo, whether she's a face or a heel, she talks about how she wants the spotlight all to herself. Like I said before, just moments ago, where I'm the boss, I, I like the spotlight on me. I'm Charlotte, except I have blue hair. It's been six years since she's been on a prime time WWE roster, and yet neither her nor the writing team are trying to go deep into who the hell the boss is what the boss is or what where why what it like anything with the like the boss nickname the gimmick is what was the boss the boss of bathroom breaks the boss of right like the ratings going down the boss of dead ass crowds or the boss of making people leave what is it <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, but what is the appeal of Sasha Banks? Like, 
I'm sorry. What is it? And besides, all that's been done these last few weeks, heading into the SummerSlam rematch, and back at WrestleMania. This this whole build, all they've been doing is trying to claim who is the best, who's the boss, who is the EST. We're supposed to be excited because they're trying to prove who's the best EST. We're supposed to be excited because they had a good technical wrestling match at WrestleMania and they can do it again at SummerSlam. Really. Who cares? Who honestly cares about this match besides the hardcore wrestling fan base? Does a casual fan care? Does a casual fan care about, you know, the great, you know, in-ring performance? No, they care about the personality and the characters. Sasha Banks... And I'm sorry to say it, Bianca Belair do not possess that. I am sorry to say it. It's just my brutally honest opinion. I'm sorry. But anyway. So that that is your preview of uh, the SmackDown with title match. So now we move on to Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. Now, Drew McIntyre is staying away from the WWE title scene. He's been in the WWE uh, world title scene. Since, I'd say, the Royal Rumble 2020, and I guess you consider what he's doing at SummerSlam a little bit of a break of sorts. So, he lost a Hell in a Cell match to Bobby Lashley, the WWE Champion, and two Money in the Bank qualifiers. Um, So, he was unable to do that, and Jinder Mahal questioned him on the amount of title shots he had been getting within the last year. So, Mahal had also blamed him for costing him uh, a chance to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. So, Drew took exception to this and they fought in a match on the July 5th edition of Monday Night Raw. Drew won this match, but Jinder Mahal and his new butt buddies, Veer and Shanky, they stole his family sword. Drew McIntyre's Claymore. Like, how could they? But, McIntyre only revealed to um, Mahal that it was just it was just a replica. So in retaliation, McIntyre proceeds to destroy Jinder Mahal's motorcycle. So as revenge for destroying his motorcycle, Jinder Mahal and his butt buddies would cost Drew McIntyre the Money in the Bank ladder match at Money in the Bank. So they dragged his ass backstage, and the next night on Raw, Drew McIntyre got his revenge by attacking them during a Jinder Mahal promo where he I guess he was talking about how it's his birthday and whatnot and how he reveled in the fact that ah, ha, 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 I cost Drew McIntyre the Money in the Bank ladder match. So, yeah, that was pretty much all there was um, to this feud. But most recently, uh, Veer and Shanky, um, they're not allowed to be at ringside for this match because they lost a handicap match to Drew this past Monday. So... Obviously, Drew McIntyre is going to win on Saturday, but um, this is probably just going to be a one-and-done feud. Um, I, I think WWE has done a lot since Hell in a Cell, and probably like even earlier to hurt more than help Drew McIntyre when it comes to um, you know his personality, his promos. Like, I mean, sure, it's nice that there's a reason that he uses his sword in his entr- entrance. I think it was because... You know, of his family heritage, his ancestors or something. But the problem is, is that, you know, he's one of the top wrestlers. He's one of the, like, guys that's um, on on social media or, like, in the media or something that, that WWE actually presents. But the problem is, he's being, like, booked inconsistently between, you know, you got the serious uh, Drew McIntyre and then you get the goofy Drew McIntyre. That's, like... We need to have some consistency, like, with Drew McIntyre. He he looks like a legit dude, and he has he actually has talent. But WWE keeps making him do goofy stuff. And you, you can be funny, you can be goofy, but like, don't let that overlap, like your the seriousness, you know, with Drew McIntyre. So Drew McIntyre is gonna win, and hopefully. Um, he could do something, you know, in the upper mid card or 
I don't know. I, I don't think he should be back in the WWE title hunt. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know what Drew McIntyre can do after this. Um, could he go to SmackDown? But then you have Roman Reigns. Then you, it's like, or you can feud with Sheamus for the U.S. title and have a U.S. title run. I don't know what Drew McIntyre could do uh, after this. So, either way, Drew McIntyre is going to win in this match against Jinder Mahal. So now we move on to the next match. Edge versus Seth Rollins. One of the other like non-title marquee matches of night. This is actually one that I'm honestly a little interested in. Um, not because of Seth Rollins, but because of Edge. <laughs> and this one actually has you know some story behind it. There is actually some story going in on in this match. So Seth Rollins and Edge, they they actually have beef. Dating back to December of 2014, um, there's a, a segment at the end of Monday Night Raw. On I think it was on New Year's Eve or something. And Seth Rollins was on uh, the Cutting Edge, Edge's talk show. And Seth Rollins attacked both Edge and Christian. And Seth Rollins threatened to curb stomp on Edge's surgically repaired neck. Now keep in mind, Edge was still retired um, at this time. And he threatened to injure Edge's surgically repaired neck and permanently uh, paralyze him. This was a way to force John Cena to reinstate Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and reform the authority. Uh, that, that was a stable, you know, kind of like a corporation where they would like abuse their power and such um, during that time. So seven years later, Edge is an active wrestler once again. And he gets a Universal Championship match against Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. And Seth Rollins was angry about it. Now, Rollins was angry about it because he claimed he worked hard for it to deserve it. Uh, he took he returned back in, I think it was like uh, February of this past year or something. And he worked his way back to, to get that title shot against Roman Reigns. But the problem is, Edge... Never got his proper one-on-one match um, that, you know, the Royal Rumble guarantees you against Roman Reigns. Because you know what happened. You know what happened. WWE Daniel Bryan, Edge versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. They Daniel Bryan that shit. But anyway, I, I've said enough about that. <laughs> so, Seth Rollins cost Edge the title match. And Edge fights with Rollins um, into the crowd afterwards. Leaving Roman Reigns in the, alone in the ring. So, Rollins gets enraged with the fact that all the wrestlers like Edge and John Cena are returning and taking away all the opportunities from the current wrestlers that earned them. Now, I feel like that, when Rollins said that, um, the following SmackDown after Money in the Bank, they should have took a hard look at when they wrote that for Rollins because, well, most of today's wrestlers freaking suck. And that's why guys like Edge and Cena, you know, they have to take away those opportunities because, well, they're like well-known names. And while the current wrestlers, they haven't done that. They haven't made themselves well-known. Like, they haven't made themselves well-known to the true fans of wrestling, the casuals, the ones that, you know, are trying to get interested, actually interested, actively interested into this product. But anyway, so... Few weeks wait, a few weeks later, Edge persuaded Rollins into a SummerSlam match by calling him Edge Light. A comment that Rollins took personally. And he claimed that he was better than him in every way possible. And then he accepted his challenge and we have this match that has been teased for what a better part of two, three months. And I guess you could say even seven years. But now we're officially getting it at SummerSlam. Now this should be a good match. Um, but... I think Edge has pretty much done all the heavy lifting in this uh, feud because uh, Rollins just can't hold up. He can't hold up to Edge's emotion, Edge's, you know, mic work, his delivery. Seth Rollins just laughs and screams and he comes off as non-believable, especially when he's wearing some of the stupidest uh, attire ever. All those like drip suits or whatnot. How can someone take you seriously when you're wearing like very r- rainbowized uh like suits? 
really. But anyway, um, at least there, there's the interesting point of, you know, the what if on if Rollins actually curb stomped Edge's neck back in 2014. So that's a, it's an easy, it's a decent element that someone keeps viewers interested. So honestly, like with um, AJ Styles, I guess with the same thing with the Raw Tag Team title match, um, there's multiple ways that this can go. Edge gets his revenge, or Seth Rollins gets a big win over a WWE Hall of Famer. Um, I just think either way, whoever wins will benefit, and whoever loses won't take a huge a hit. They, they won't get hurt as badly with their credibility. Like, none at all. So now we get into the two big matches, like the two really big matches of the night. And these are the world title matches. We get the WWE champion, Bobby Lashley, going up against Bill Goldberg. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Goldberg. Dun, 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 dun. So the big match, the big WWE championship match um, that we're getting, Bobby Lashley versus Bill Goldberg. So... Fresh off his his dominant victories over Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank, and even a returning Keith Lee the, the night after, WWE Champion Bobby Lashley looked like he was back in his peak dominant form. But unfortunately, Bill Goldberg made his return to challenge Lashley to a match at SummerSlam. Lashley was like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so after two weeks of rejection, Lashley would accept the challenge because... He saw his manager, MVP, get speared by Big Bill in, because he was trying to defend his son. So, yeah, this is the WWE Championship match that's happening. Now, I don't mind Goldberg um, as much as I did um, back in, I, I'd say, 2017, like, 18, 19, um, when he was, like, winning pretty much all the world title matches when he didn't need to. But he's still very popular with casual fans and... He's popular in the wrong way with the hardcore wrestling fans. You know, they're, they're always complaining about Goldberg being on our TV screens, affecting us, um, and all that. But I gotta say, he actually cut a very good promo this past Monday. Um, I know I'm gonna get a lot of flack for that. About how his son was the main reason that he got back into wrestling. And this is actually, this part was actually very applicable, applicable to real life. Rather than see like clips of his career online or like, you know, trying to apply it to real life, rather than see something online, he, you, he, Goldberg would take his son to work, uh, in the flesh, you know, so Goldberg wants to see, wants his son to see him in action in person to see how it's done kind of that's actually a pretty like good promo right there so that's why he wants to win the WWE title so his son can you know be as successful as him that that's that's honestly not bad so despite that though that being said like with all of Goldberg's promos uh, and title matches I don't want him winning because it doesn't do anything in the long run now it will get all the certain people like, oh, yes, Goldberg won and all that. But how does Lashley losing the Goldberg benefit him? How does Lashley in this dominant form of him lose to Goldberg? It doesn't. He won't look so almighty by taking spears and jackhammers en route to losing his almighty WWE title. WWE has to assure Lashley wins on sun- on Saturday he beats Goldberg, add a a big win to his resume, and keep the title. Bobby Lashley is doing his best work as WWE Champion. Even though, yeah, less, uh, MVP is doing all the talking. But when the talking is over, Bobby Lashley is a force to be reckoned with in the ring. And obviously outside of it. The era of the Almighty has to continue after this Saturday. Because otherwise, it'll just be all for nothing. All the hard work, like the 16 years, is it 16 years or however however long for Bobby Lashley to get a WWE title, to be at the top 
of the mountain, it'll just be all for naught. It'll be for nothing. So Lashley has to win this Saturday. So with all those matches finally out of the way, we talked about nine matches. A lot of it I didn't give a shit about. We finally get to preview the match that everyone is looking forward to. The one that's on the poster that is being hyped all around. The Universal Championship match between the Tribal Chief, the head of the table, the one that that needs our acknowledgement, Roman Reigns, going up against the C Nation leader, the master of the five knuckle shuffle, John Cena for one title, all for the glory, the Blue Universal Championship. There is a lot to talk about in this match because it's the one I'm most excited for. For almost one year, your tribal chief, your head of the table, Universal Champion Roman Reigns, he has run roughshod over SmackDown and all of WWE with successful title victories over the likes of Braun Strowman, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, and Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Rey Mysterio, and most recently at Money in the Bank, Edge, a Hall of Famer. Like, my God. And after that victory over Edge, he finally had the opportunity for everyone in the crowd and everyone at home to acknowledge him. Acknowledge him as the face of the WWE, the tribal chief, the head of the table. But before they could, Apple Juice! John Cena, out of nowhere, made his return in Texas and made his intentions felt that he wanted Roman Reigns and the Universal Championship. So while Cena challenged him officially to a SummerSlam match the next night on Raw, Reigns is like, nah, you're not getting your match. And he instead accepted a challenge from Finn Balor on the following SmackDown. So while we were initially going to get another Daniel Bryan, uh, shoehorns his way to a match situation except obviously it's Finn Balor um Finn Balor was actually attacked by homeless Baron Corbin um during the following week's contract signing uh, for Balor and Reigns at SummerSlam so when Corbin instead tried to sign it uh Cena rushed out to stop him from doing so so he could sign the empty line in front of Roman Reigns so that made the match at SummerSlam official so that's where we are with this match this match is honestly bigger. It's even bigger than the one they had back at No Mercy. Because honestly, the one back at No Mercy, they had a good match. But there, was, there wasn't really a lot at stake, um, to be honest with you. Roman Reigns, like he was still being rejected by the, the, the WWE fans. And you could tell that he lacked confidence, um, especially in that uh, promo a battle with Cena. Yeah. Cena owned his ass. And now that he's the tribal chief, I feel like him in this role, he has really excelled in the past year. Roman Reigns is no longer the cookie cut, riot vest, you know, shield vest, whatever, generic baby face that doesn't know what a promo is, Jack. He is excelling. Ever since John Cena left after his uh, promo on um, his program with Bray Wyatt in 2020. John Cena himself, even though he's not like with WWE as like free, as prominent like he was back in his like prime when, when he was full time, his star power has only grown further in Hollywood with his biggest role in Fast Nine, the Suicide Squad. He's becoming a box office draw. So. Why do I say it's Cena is being like a guy that he's himself said he never would be years ago. Someone that would always be there for the fans like all the time. If, if, if that my memory serves right. But you know, time changes. You know, John Cena wants to explore his horizons. Roman Reigns obviously now has legit <laughs> booze. Like, he's a villain in the eyes of the people. Like, you know, not the babyface that has booze. You know, he is a true villain in the eyes. 
of the people. And that's why this match feels so much bigger because of how both men have changed and the state involved. Roman Reigns is the, I guess you could say, the, the final boss of SmackDown, while John Cena is the final boss. Like, the, like if you want to be the true face of WWE, you got to get past me. So Roman Reigns, uh, going back to him, he's still bringing down whoever is in his path and doing whatever it takes to do so in order to provide for his family. Meanwhile, John Cena, he's still the measuring stick. He's still the gold standard, despite, you know, not being with uh, on WWE as he used to be. Because, obviously, his vast success. He's a 16-time world champion. And he's had recent uh, success, big success, in Hollywood. And we obviously can't forget the Universal Championship at that stake. Roman Reigns is trying to, you know, reach that one-year mark as champion. And unlike Brock Lesnar, he actually has defended the championship at nearly every pay-per-view this year. The only exception being, well, they put a Hell in a Cell title match uh, that, that he was in with Rey Mysterio on the SmackDown before the show. And while John Cena, he wants to finally break Ric Flair's 17-time uh, record. So there is a lot of stake. And all it will take is one, two, three. To have one of these men have their hand raised with the Universal title at the end of SummerSlam. But who will that be? And I'm going with Roman Reigns. I am going with Roman Reigns. And you know why? Why turn off the iron when it's still hot? Roman Reigns is doing relatively well. Now, nobody really needs to, you know, get the ball rolling on finding him new challengers. Like, actual legit challengers he's still doing well as champion both ratings and creative writing indicate that sure John Cena will finally break Ricklish's record if he wins but how long will he hold the title for he he doesn't have the same availability as he used to back in the day he can't he doesn't have that full-time schedule we, like what's his next project what is his next movie what is the next uh, movie, TV show that he's going to promote or be on. I, I think down the line, John Cena has time to break Ric Flair's record. This match was made for Roman Reigns to establish himself and his gimmick, his tribal chief heel turn as the true mainstay in WWE. He This match is built for Reigns because he needs to establish himself as a landmark, as the face of WWE. They tried to do that in 2017, but obviously, didn't work. Why do they try it again here? We'll see. He needs to win this Saturday and establish himself, at least try to, as the face of WWE. But we'll see. We will see what happens. But anyway, that is my preview of SummerSlam 2021. A pretty overhyped and honestly could be overrated show. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. And honestly, it's a one-match show. Two matches if you count Goldberg versus Lashley, I guess. But pretty much a one-match show. And I'm honestly only excited for Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Everything else, I guess I could sleep through. <laughs> and I'm honestly, I, I guess I could say I'm not going. I'm glad I'm not going anymore. Um, because I honestly would have slept through this. I honestly would have slept through this up until the main event. I was like, uh, to my buddy, like, can you wake me up? Um, <laughs> if when the main event is on, or I just would have like stood at the concession stand and like, like look at the TV. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like not give a shit about any of the matches, but anyway, yeah. Overall, what do you guys think? Uh, whether you're listening and want to talk about it on social media or whether you're watching on YouTube and want to leave a comment. Let me know how you feel about SummerSlam coming up very shortly. Uh, obviously, there's still a SmackDown that, that, has, to be ha that has to be done. Um, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll see what happens. But anyway, that is it for my SummerSlam preview edition of Very Cold Lasagna. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. 
and make sure to subscribe turn on the notifications on youtube make sure to listen to the show on apple podcast spotify and anchor fm follow me on twitter and instagram at very cold lasagna and as always keep that lasagna very cold and in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports for raising cold and very opinionated because you know who doesn't like those opinionated takes because we are all entitled to them whether we like them or not whether how smart or stupid they are we are entitled to our own opinions but anyway that's it for me enjoy SummerSlam or not whether you're watching it or not it's your call but anyway thanks for tuning in until next time peace out